Hey, everybody. How you doing? I hope you're having a wonderful day, night, morning, evening, uh, afternoon, uh, whatever you're having. I hope you're enjoying yourself. Welcome to a brand new Ike Live show 2.0. And we've got a great one for you today. Uh, joining us in just a second for the first time. Very excited to have on the show the one and only Drew Cook. Very, 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 very excited to talk to Drew. Uh, it's going to be a great show. Also, let me remind you, please send your comments uh, if you're watching this through the comment section on whatever platform you're watching on because it's very, very important. We want to hear your questions. We want to hear who you want to talk to. Uh, send that information in. We watch it. I watch it uh, regularly. So please send in your comments. Also want to thank the supporters of this show. Of course, Mystery Tackle Box. It's like Christmas to your doorstep once a month. Listen to me, guys. If you want some of the latest tackle, lures, colors, techniques, stuff that you might not normally find on your own, if you want it delivered right to your doorstep, this is the way to do it. Head on over to mysterytacklebox.com. Use the promo code IKELIVE. You're going to get 30% off your first elite box and 50% off your first pro box. That's half off, guys, your first pro box, mysterytacklebox.com. Also, shout out to the Ike Foundation uh, organization to help get kids fishing. If you want to help, head on over to the ikefoundation.org. Lots of ways to get involved in growing the sport. Um, I'm going to get right to it, guys. Oh, real quick, too. By the way, thank you uh, for everyone that's sent notes, emails, and texts about this new format. This is Ike Live 2.0. Uh, it's been really fun getting a chance to to get a little more up close and personal with these guys. Some of the the best fishermen in the world, some of the best personalities in the sport of fishing. It's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun. So thank you uh, for all the well wishes on this new format. But I want to get right into it. Uh, joining us here on Ike Live for the first time, we've got the one and only Drew Cook. Yo, man, yo. How's it going? How you doing? I can't complain. Just, you know, enjoying some time, not driving. <laughs> All right. First thing, I want to address two things that we talked about right before we came live, which is your shop. Never apologize for a messy shop because I'm looking at that and it's like organized confusion. It looks exactly like my shop. I love it. I love to see all that stuff back there like that. Yeah, like right right here, I finally got to unpack like all the stuff out of my truck, um, you know, because we're going to be off for a month and then we're going smallmouth fishing, so I don't have to take near as much stuff. I've yep. got probably 150 rods just, you know, leaned up, took them out of the truck just so I can actually have a truck again. Uh, you know, most of the year, I don't have the back of my truck because it's always packed and you know, you still move stuff around to where you're going, you know, put stuff closer to get to, but yeah, it's always full because you don't ever know what you're going to need. Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm with you. I'm a big hoarder and I actually, you know, traveling from New Jersey, I'm in a worse place than you because I can never, it's hard for me to get home. So I have to pack it all. But Drew, how much are you cutting your tackle for the Northern swing? Give us a percentage. Is it in half? Is it 30%? What do you think? I'm, Probably cutting it 70%. Wow. 70. That's yeah. amazing. I mean, there'll be, there'll be a little bit more, you know, for, uh, for probably St. Clair, you know, cause you're going to have to have 
you know, the crankbaits and stuff like that. But yeah, besides that, you know, it'll be pretty straightforward what, what I'll take. All right. So what I'm hearing without you directly telling me, do you plan on not ever making a cast for a largemouth in the next three events? Is that true? Yep. Not one. Wow. Not even on Champlain. Nope. Wow. 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 I might, uh, you know, keep a, you know, a, a, a glide bait and like a, you know, a top water and maybe a, a flipping jig. Um, just for when you get bored but man champlain over the past three years has changed so much like you're you're digging yourself a really big hole messing with them largemouth yes you can catch uh yeah. you know five pound largemouth and mixed yeah. bags do good all the time but the smallmouth are so much bigger now with, with the gobies getting in there i mean yeah. it's the the old 16 pound smallmouth bag is now 19 pounds and you know the old 19 pounds is 23 pounds so it's you know it's it's all changing yeah, so true. So true. Uh, the other thing we talked about right before we came live, which I think is fun. It's funny to me because it makes me realize how darn old I am. But we were talking about, yeah, were you ever on a show before? Yeah, you know, and I said sometimes eight or nine years ago, I've had people on and I forget. And and you said, what did you say when I said eight or nine years ago? I had just got out of high school eight years ago. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome, man. That's so awesome. So eight, nine years ago, you were coming out of high school, entering into college. And what eight or nine, nine years ago, what was your mindset? What, what were you thinking? Like, you know, cause I, I sort of remember, I mean, when I was in high school, it was when the dinosaurs were walking around, but I still remember. And, you know, like I remember my mindset of my dream, like I had a dream, but then I had like a reality safety valve. What what was your mindset coming out of high school? Uh, was I was going to do this? Um, I didn't know, you know, at that point in time exactly how it was going to happen. But uh, that was that was it. You know, I I went to school um, and you know kind of tried to do as much at college to help me where I'm at now. You know, take entrepreneurship right. class, marketing stuff like that. Stuff stuff that'll help me sponsor wise. Um, and I was going to get my degree and then I was going to, you know, fish the opens to, to qualify for the elites, but all through college, um, uh, you know, I fished the nation, uh, I fished, uh, the college stuff, still trying to, you know, any way I could get there to, you know, to the classic, but I yeah. couldn't, you know, just fully commit to it yet. And I didn't yeah. want to get so close to you know, to get in a degree and then, you know, go off and, you know, start fishing and then never have that, you know, like right. I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, getting that degree and I, I wanted it. Uh, so that's what I did. I graduated college and right after I graduated college, I started fishing the open. Um, you know, I was working full time and luckily you know, I was able to get off, you know, for the tournaments. That was the year they had uh, two divisions um, and, you know, I was fortunate enough for everything to, you know, go to plan because I, I really didn't have a backup plan. It was this or this or nothing. That see that to me, I, I, I love that because I'm like, I'm so I, I think when I was that age, 18, 19, I was so scared that it wouldn't work. I had a plan B and I actually kind of had like a plan C too. Uh, 
But that's interesting. So no plan B, like 100% focus, dedication. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the whole time through high school and college, you know, I was working in construction. And I mean, if, you know, I would have spent every dollar I had and been broke, I could have gone back and, you know, swung a hammer and stuff like that. Right. But right. Uh, that's awesome. No, it was it was fishing. That was all all it was. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think there's strength in that. I think there's strength in not having a B or a C because I think sometimes when you have a B and a C, you tend to veer off course if things aren't gone right, you know, and, and maybe that's a better strategy uh, and success. You can't deny it. So here's here's what I want to I, I want to tell you. Is this your fourth or fifth year this year? What is this? Fifth, fourth, not fifth. Yeah, fifth, fifth year. year. All right, I want to say this in a way, this isn't a negative, this is a positive. Drew, this is your fifth year. I feel like you've been fishing forever. It's such a weird, like, I can't explain it, but like, you know, I'm a big fan of the sport and a lot of younger guys get in and they they still feel like young rookies to me. Like 10 years later, 20 years later, they're like, yeah, that's that new kid, you know? Dude, you've only been fishing five years. I, I feel like you've been here forever. <laughs> I feel like I've been here for forever too, <laughs> but uh, it's it's still. Um, I mean, I uh, I've been very fortunate, you know, all the way through my career, you know, from the opens to college, all the way here to the elites. Uh, there's still a lot of things I'm learning. I'm learning, you know, really. I I feel like I'm just starting to get to where I'm fishing actually good. Um, right. You know, the, the decision, I mean, there's so much more into this. Not, I mean, it, you know, it's not yeah. just catching fish. Like, oh, yeah. There, there's no telling how many, you know, actual, like the bites that you get that you don't catch, you know, how your season could go from making two cuts that year to making every cut and being fourth in AOI. You know, it's yes. all about, you know, a couple bites that came off. Yeah. Um, but I'm still learning really how to practice um that's yeah. been a, a big a big deal for me uh and it and it and it showed a lot in years past um my day ones were always terrible because i'd practice so so broad and you know only spend a little bit of time that i'd have to look at everything day one of the tournament and it ended up costing me uh, yeah and i would settle down and then day two you know do good throughout the rest of the tournament yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I think certain things in your fishing get better as your career goes on. But let me, let me say this real quick. I've got some notes, everybody listening and watching right now, only five years, Drew, you've got 13 top tens. That's, that, that's insane. I'm pulling this off the bass sites. I hope this is right. 13 top tens, of course, a win, amazing win. So a blue trophy already. Here's a big one. Your first year, Rookie of the Year, ROI, which is nothing to sneeze at. That's an amazing title. And then, like, as an exclamation point, dude, a great portfolio of sponsors. Like, like seriously, like five years in, a lot of dudes have their name on the side of the boat because they don't, nobody's given them any support. And you've got an amazing uh, portfolio of sponsors, including AFCO, a few that we work with together. Uh, mm -hmm. here's the question. It's, it's an easy one because 
We got high school and college anglers right now listening to this podcast on the way to a tournament. And this is what they want to do. This, they're, they're you, you know, nine years ago, right? They're you. And they're saying, how the hell did Drew do this in five years? Do you have an answer for that? Well, I mean, sponsor-wise, I was very, very, very fortunate. Um, you know, my the sponsors that I have were the sponsors that I wanted. Um, there, There's nothing. I had a list of sponsors that I liked their product. I believed in their stuff that I wanted to work yeah. for. And I really just wasn't going to gonna do anything else i wasn't just gonna get some money um because you know what well, your rookie year the money's not that good anyway but you don't, i don't want to sell something to somebody that i don't believe um, right. so i actually had to beg the the guy less from big bite before uh brandon started working there he was in charge of the um you know the the team and I annoyed him so much uh, that he finally, you know, gave me a shot. And, um, you know, if, if that I wasn't going to use any anything else. That's just what I, I believed in and, and yeah. stuff I've used my whole life. And it was the same with, with AFCO. Um, you know, there was a, a mutual friend that has a dealer down here uh, for AFCO that put me in contact with them. Um, and I was, I mean, already wearing their stuff and and like their stuff and was fortunate enough to get with them. And I, and I told all of them in 2019, my rookie year, I said, my plan moving forward is to grow old with y'all. Yeah. Um, however we need to get there. Um, you know, I've turned down some really good deals in the past couple of years to, you know, other companies, but they were what I thought would be like a two year thing, you know, a lot of money, two years and then gone. Right. And I, I feel like, uh, or at least for me, the way it was whenever I was watching this before I was uh, on the elites, the people that had the same names on their jerseys every year, those were the products that I would buy. Not the right. guy that every year has a different rod sponsor, right. a different bait sponsor, you know, whatever. Uh, that, that didn't really sit with me where if I was yeah. going to spend money, it was going to be the, the people that kept their sponsors. Yeah, that that's a great, I'm so glad you said that. Cause I think that gets under talked about, which is having a trust, right? Actually believing in the product and creating long-term relationships. They're two great goals to have in, in the fishing game for sponsors. I I've been lucky. I've been lucky to have a lot of really long-term uh, relationships like what you're talking about. So that's a great lesson uh, for people watching and listening. Um, let, let me, let me talk about something else, which is a, a great fact, but I want to get your take on it. So five years in every year so far, you've qualified for the classic, right? So you got to, that, that's a hard, dude, listen, that's a hard thing to do. You got this amazing streak going. And I asked you this question because I had it. I had the streak going where I had like 20 in a row leading up to when I left Bass uh, for a little bit. Um, and toward the end, it was this, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. Dude, I had this unbelievable pressure to continue that streak. This is early in your career, but do you feel that already? Do you feel, Absolutely. is that, you do, don't you? Absolutely. 
Man, Talk about that because I think people the, don't the, understand that. Talk about that. The pressure, uh, just period, is not. Um, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I guarantee you, there's more people that fish on the elite series that are under 35 years old on blood pressure medicine than any other sport, <laughs> any other professional athlete. I mean, from the preseason meeting at, at Okeechobee, you're already, you know, you have that pressure to to make enough money to qualify, requalify, to make the classic, and and every tournament is the same way. And say day one of Okeechobee, you don't catch them. Yeah. You, you, that pressure is even that much more and your whole right. a lot of times your whole season can be ruined in the first event you know it can be yes. made or ruined and especially whenever now you have a family and you have you know have kids um you know man, the pressure is unbelievable and nobody really understands just how much pressure all of us put on ourselves yeah just to make a living and and you know support our families and to make that classic because there is no way you can win the classic if you're not fishing uh it's right. impossible right and you have to make that classic every year uh and that's an additional at least 10 grand so you know you got the, the money value of it but also with the sponsors you know if, when the sponsor looks and every year you've made the classic you know you you're you look better than the guy that's only made it three out of five years or two out right. of five years yeah so i mean everything yeah. boils down to all that yeah, it's a, it's a big deal, and it is a lot of pressure. And I think for you, there's more because of that consecutive thing. And and I, I hope you do it 20 years in a row, 30 years in a row. It'd be, be amazing feat. Uh, but there is a lot of pressure, I'm, and I'm glad you talked about that because the casual fan, I think, doesn't realize that you know. And and we're super lucky with what we get to do. We're very blessed to to make a living oh, doing absolutely. it. But but dude, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of ups and downs. It's a lot of heartache. It's a lot of prep. I mean, there's normal things that other people experience in their occupation. We experience here too. Maybe 10% of the pros don't have that pressure. Like if you're independently wealthy or something, maybe not, but like regular dudes, like I consider you kind of a regular dude, uh, you know, blue collar guy, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and to think, you know, before you ever make a cast, you're already in the hole $45,000. I mean, straight Crazy. out the gate. Crazy. And, and, you know, I mean, you have to make five cuts just to recoup that money, and then you can start making money. Uh, and it, it's it's tough. I mean, it really is. And, you yeah. know, the with how much the sport's grown and, you know, how many people are in it, you know, it, it's hard to do it on, on sponsor dollars. Um, and I would love to see it where you can make money just off cash and checks. Yeah. Uh, but it, I mean, you know, we're, we're not there yet. Um, yeah. and man, it's just, uh, people just, people think that, you know, you're just out there fishing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's uh, not, no, no, uh, it's not like that. Uh, I want to switch gears and, and, and you know, so I, I was in hiatus for a, a little bit, not fishing any of the tours, and I was a huge fan of watching the lives. I still am. Um, last year, I didn't catch a bass all year, so I got to watch a lot of lives on, on the third and fourth day. 
Uh, and even this year, you know, I, I, I watch as many of those live final days as I can. Cause I enjoy, I enjoy it as a fan. Um, and I've had so much fun watching you and learning from you, especially when you're sight fishing. I, I this is, this question's for me straight up. How the hell did you get so good at sight fishing? I, Cause I, I'm, Dude, I don't stink at it, but I'm not very good. I'm like, I'm like, uh, out of 10, I'm like a, a four and a quarter. How did you get so good at it? Because it's, it's so fun watching you sight fish. Well, you know, uh, where like me and Benton grew up, um, here to win tournaments from really from January to the beginning of May, uh, most of them you know, we're, we're sight fishing tournaments. We had a very long period to, uh, to sight fish. And, um, you know, you, you had to be, had to be good at it to compete. And, you know, I love hunting. Um, and you know, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, you know, you're, you're hunting right. while you're fishing, but right. being able to do it that long here where we grew up is what, what made us so good or, or right. what made us good at it. Um, and I, that's my favorite thing to do. I love knowing, you know, what I'm fixing to catch and not, you know, hoping and praying for right. You, you, know, you see for it. a bite. Yeah, you know, you know what you're throwing at. Right. Yeah. It, it's interesting because um like when I was at that when I was at an early stage and I was watching the sport, like when I was in high school and uh college and stuff, um Shaw Grigsby was the guy and Guido Hibden were the guy, the guys. And they're using spinning rods with these little tubes and light line. And yeah. that, that's how I, my, my introduction to sight fishing. And you guys have debunked that entire, <laughs> that entire yeah. thing. Uh, why is that? Why, why did it start with that? Now it's, you're throwing big rods and stuff. Oh, uh, you know, I, I would, it, I, honestly, it was probably a personal preference. Like, you know, there was one time that Shaw had a fish that was really weird and you know, wasn't acting right. And he put, you know, that little white grub on and, and colored the head of it red and it did it. There you go. That's the bait, you know, right. that's the one you use. And, and, you know, that's how a lot of it, a lot of it goes. It, I mean, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you can catch them on a hot dog, you know, right. Right. Uh, it's just, about you know getting them fired up and you know finding their their sweet spots and stuff now there's some baits that i feel personally work a lot better than others um right some that i've done really well with but you you can get the fish to bite anything uh you can get the fish to bite 80 pound braid uh you know it doesn't matter so why i All right, hold on. Type of guy. Yeah, I, I got oh. you. We got you, Drew. Yeah, we lost you for a second, but we got you. Well, that that's that that's uh, amazing because I ne I've never been a spinning rod guy. Right, right. I'd much rather catch them on the big stuff. You know, you feel better when you hook them on the big stuff, especially when there's a lot of cover around. Uh, I'll be honest. Watching you. I learned something and pro probably like a few years back. It wasn't recently, but when I was, I had my break, I learned something from you that I've actually named after you. So you have a name for oh, this yeah? technique. Yeah. It's the Drew Cook shake. 
and I d directly copied the way that you you tap that rod, and I, I've used it. I've utilized it this year, in fact, to catch some fish. So, so thank you for that, man. That was that was an awesome technique, you know. Yeah, you know, I di I didn't come up with that. There's gonna be a lot of comments uh, about how <laughs> somebody else on YouTube yeah, created that. Yeah. Um, I've been doing that for a very long time since I was probably, you know, 10 years old or something. It was taught yeah. to me uh, a little bit different. And like, if you watch Drew Benton, he does the same thing. He just does it a little bit different. Yeah. Um, you know, we're the same results happening, just, just doing it a little different. Um, but that, that's, that's what you do to move the bait without moving the bait. Um, and right. that makes sense to some people and doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Um, yeah. but getting that bait to move as much as possible without actually pulling it out of the bed is, uh, is where all that came from. And if, instead of getting them to bite, like if you're hopping it in front of their face, uh, your, your catch to land ratio is, is significantly lower when you do that. A lot of times you'll hair lip them, uh, and lose them coming to the boat, probably about 40% land ratio. Um, but whenever you're shaking it, if you if they'll eat it off the bottom, it's probably a 95% land ratio. Wow. Yeah. Just a better hookup percentage, better hook in their mouth and, and better land. I, if you're watching or listening, I invite everyone to just Google it. Uh, Google Drew Cook bed fishing. And I'm sure a million things come up, but incredible. Uh, we got a lot of people watching that are like me that are not very good at it or they're mediocre at it. In addition to that technique, give us, Give us one or two more, just real general, you know, what can we do? What can guys that struggle do to be more effective? Uh, I, number one would be cut your selection down. I mean, I see people a lot that, uh, you know, every minute or so, two minutes are, are changing baits. Uh, and the way you have to think about it is there's a, it takes this long to get into bite. When you have one bait and you use it for this long and you get another bait, you start all the way back over and you still got this long. It's the same uh, thing with the angle. Like if you're working a fish one way, one way, and, and you know, you've spent 15, 20 minutes working a fish this way and you move, you ha have to start back over. But a lot of times, you know, if there is a better angle, if a fish wants to sit a certain way, yeah. uh, you know, there is a better angle than, than move and do that. But if, you know, when you move, you have to start back over. Uh, so slim down your, your bait selection um, and keep it super simple, something that mimics a brim. Uh, and, you know, just play with it, you know, spend, yeah. spend the time with it, you know. And whenever you see someone on bed, it doesn't even have to be, you know, great big ones. You know, it can be little ones. But if there's a little pair, you know, and they're a two-pound male and a two-and-a-half-pound female, spend the time to figure out how to catch that female before you catch the male right. because that's what's going to what's, what's going to make the difference um if you can efficiently catch the females first uh you know because depending on how that what stage they're in of the spawn if you catch that male first you know that female can very easily leave uh, right. and like lake murray this year those were some of the weirdest bass i've ever fished for in my life when it came to bedding, uh, I had one the first day that was about nine pounds 
and I caught the male off the bed. I was making a really long cast to it. Caught the male off the bed, and it was a three and a half pounder. And I put him in the box, and whenever I stood up, I saw the female up there. I threw up there. The female swam off, and she never came back. I threw the male back, and neither one of them ever came back. I had that happen twice that week where I threw the male back, and neither bass got back up there. Um, A lot of times you can just throw them back, and, you know, it might take a little while to get, you know, ease ease back into it, but they'll get back up there. And I also saw one female that got courted by three different males. Like she was on this bed, locked on, rubbing with the male. I was able to to beat her off of him and they were side by side in the bed. And I was getting the male fired up where he was biting every pitch. And uh, the female was easing her way, easing her way, easing her way up. And another male from about 20 feet away came and grabbed the female and pushed her all the way over to, to that bed. And uh, so I started working that male and another male, not the one that I started with, another male actually courted it and I ended up catching the bass. Uh, oh but God. I caught all, I caught two of the males and left one male and left for an hour and came back and was able to catch her. Wow. That's amazing. That sounds like a scene from the movie Boogie Nights, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it it was some weird stuff. I don't understand <laughs> that place. Uh, uh, so I I, I want to go back though. Like great bed fishing tips, and that's that I actually just learned something because I always thought you had to change baits every fifteen minutes. But but the way you described it, it totally makes sense. Um, how hard was it when you let that three and a half pound male go? Did you have a limit? Was that a fish that helped you, or was that, was that a- just? That was the first fish I caught. So, so first fish you caught in the morning, three and a half pounder, which is a good one, even for Murray. You let it go. Mm-hmm. Woo, Drew, you got balls of steel. I would never do that. I'm just telling you, I you got balls of steel. I would never, never, ever do that in a tournament. That is amazing. But that's the game, though. Uh, that that's the bed fishing game. Uh, whenever I, I won Santee, I did it twice. Um, I never had a limit either time. I threw back a four pound male uh, the first day, but it was a seven pound female, and I was able to catch the seven pound female and was able to leave the four pound male and ended up catching it on day three. So it worked out really well. And then on the on day three, I ended up throwing back a three pound male um, and catching a one almost eight. That's incredible, dude. I can't even, I it's, I'm so glad we're talking about this. Cause I didn't know that story. I, I know you probably told it before, but I didn't personally know it, dude. I cannot even wrap my hands around that. Like I, I'm blown away. Cause I can never, I can never do it. It's probably why I think that's a benefit. I can never do that. That is incredible. That's incredible. And, and I mean, like you got to, kind of be able to feel the fish out too like if you know the fish is weird and you know not really wanting to get up there obviously i'm not going to throw one back where it's going to swim off but if i think that me throwing it back is going to get that female back up there right absolutely i'll do it and i've thrown i've I've had it go the other way too you know i've had uh, a big female on a bed with a two pound male and my smallest fish in my live well is a three and a half pounder I've caught the two pound male and thrown a three and a half pounder back and kept the two pounder to catch the female. To catch the big one. Wow. 
man, what a, what a, it's just mind blowing because it's a whole nother piece of the fishing puzzle that I'm not good at, that it makes me very interested in it. Like I, I got to go back and listen to more of your seminars and bash you seminars that you've done. Cause I got to get like this, that shit never even crosses my mind when, when I'm bed fishing and yeah. I've been doing it for 30 years professionally. So that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, it's a very hard way to win a, win a four day tournament. Very. Wow. Hard. Wow. I, I just, I, I think my background, like, you know, you and, and Drew have grown up in an area where you're, you've got so good at this because from a young age, you've fished and seen it. And I, you know, growing up here, our spawn is short. We actually have a closed bass season. The fishing stinks up here anyway. My home body of water is the Delaware River, where for a lot of years, if you caught eight pounds, you were in the top 10. So I think for me, you know, growing up, none of that ever crossed my mind, you know, because how valuable every keeper is, you know, I just never, it wasn't a part of my fishing history, you know. But I, I love I love to hear those stories. Uh, speaking of the other Drew, let's let's talk a little bit about it. What's it like traveling with Drew Benton? Is uh, tell me about that because I know you guys have a really cool thing going. How how is it traveling with Drew? Uh, well, you know, for a little bit of backstory, um, we grew up fishing. He was he's older than me. He's uh about six years older than me, I think. Uh, and we grew up fishing, you know, all the local team tournaments and stuff around here, uh, all the, you know, the bigger tournaments that, that we have locally. We fished against each other, you know, for, for a long time. And he was the first one uh, really from around here that, that made, made it to the professional side. He right. started fishing FLW um, in, I think, 2014. Um, and uh, then, you know, came over to the elites, uh, in 2016. And, um, so when I fished the opens, I, I traveled with him for one division and, you know, we, we said, well, I always said if, if we made it here, we would treat it like a business. Um, and, you know, kind of go at it, you know, to make, to make money. And that's what we do. You know, we, yeah. we share everything. Um, uh, we break stuff down, um, we, you know, there's a lot of times that I won't even fish. Like if we were at the Sabine, yeah. Say I wouldn't have even fished the Neches River, but Benton practiced in the Neches, and you know, first day of the tournament, I go to the Neches because that's where you know the better bites were that Benton had found. We share everything, um, and you know, it. it people say yeah, it's harder to win uh, when you do that, yeah. but I. I, I honestly don't think so, uh, but it, it saves you so many more times than not. Uh, yeah. It, and it uh, most of the time, you know, like I have more confidence in the stuff that I found and he has more confidence in the stuff that he found. Right. But it's that day two afternoon and, you know, you're one bite away from making the cut and one of those dots is right over there and you swing by there and, you know, get that bite and make the cut. It, it, it yeah. all works out. Um, we yeah. don't do it quite like the Johnsons do, where we share our money, uh, right? But we share share everything. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I've we've had the Johnsons on. We've talked to the Johnsons about it, and a lot of other guys have a system that's very similar. 
Um, the benefits I see pretty plain, but talk about the negatives. Are there negatives to traveling with Drew? Are there negatives to the system that you guys have in place? Um, you know, you could say there's a negative uh, where, like, if you found uh, something that was, you know, pretty good, uh, but you have you would have it to yourself where, like, you know, you could win off of it uh, because, you know, it was good enough, but you had it to yourself. It wasn't the best, but, yeah. you know, there's a couple people doing that over there but having it to yourself and then, you know, you end up having to, having to split it, but it's never really, uh, never really happened. Um, right. In the five years that, that we've been on the elite. Yeah. Uh, and there's been some times where I've realized that I don't understand sometimes why some people can get bigger bites than others, but, uh, cause I mean, I've had it where we have sat side by side throwing at the same stump. Yeah. I catch two pounders and he catches four pounders. It, four and pounders. it makes no sense throwing the exact same thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But it, it's just one of those things where you just kind of got to roll with it. Uh, yeah. And uh, when it comes to winning one of them, like you've always heard it and I'm sure you've said it, like when it's your time, it's your time. Oh, yeah. And I finally, finally got to experience that uh, last year. And there is no doubt when it's your time, it's your time. Uh, there's nothing you can do to change it and there's nothing you can do to stop it. You just got to not trip yourself up. So true. It's like getting struck by lightning, man. Uh, you know, whether you want to look at it from a philosophical viewpoint or a religious standpoint, whatever, however you view it, when it's going to happen, it happens. Um, I did want to circle back though. And I, I have to address this and, I, and we, we've asked it to the Johnson brothers and, We've asked it to other guys. Uh, and even for me, you know, because I early in my career, I traveled with Ish Monroe and John Cruz, and we had a similar system. I'm not maybe not quite as detailed as what you guys have, but we we had a similar system. Um, and we've had a lot of comments uh, over the years on this show from viewers saying it's not fair, saying, you know, and and, and saying they're basically saying, well, it's an individual sport. And they're turning it into a team sport. How, how do you address that? Because, and again, I'm not, I, I, I've done it in the past as well. So how do you address those folks? Uh, I mean, uh, NASCAR is an individual sport with teams, uh, you know, but I mean, you don't see me hindering somebody else so that my partner can win anything like that. Um, right. You know, right. And anyone can do it, uh, but nobody really does it because you have to really and truly fully trust somebody to, right. to be able to do it like this. Right. Because there's a lot of people that will tell you a tidbit and leave out a big a big section of it or, yeah. like, you know, tell you, you know, throw a, a Ned rig on points. But they didn't tell you it's only Ned rig on the, the rocky points, you know, that are in eight foot of water or whatever, you know, something huge that right. makes a big difference. Right. Um, but I mean, I think it is an individual sport and no matter what, you know, uh, still the individual has to catch him. But right. I mean, I would ask those people, what about in the days before the no info, uh, whenever anybody could get information from anybody? I mean, that's, oh, yeah. 
The good old Damn, days. That's, that's, <laughs> that's way worse than what we got now. Oh yeah. You know? Oh, and those those stories are great. And we've had we've had Roland on the show, and man, some of the stories uh, about what happened back in the day. It's incredible, man. It's so it's like the it was like the wild west of bass tournament. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I, I do want to talk also about you guys have really amazing series going. Uh, uh, that's how long have you had it for? Has it been five years, four or five years? It's called the cut line. Four, four years. Four years. Yep, it's four years. so it's so awesome. Joe, I love it. I love it. I'm a big fan of it. And um, for me, especially the behind the scenes stuff. Like I enjoy that the most, you know, even more than the fishing. Uh, but talk about that. Where to come from the concept that you, do you guys love doing it? Talk, talk about this thing a little bit. Uh, I do. Um, I, you know, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. I always look for something uh, that I could learn from on YouTube and it wasn't always readily available. Uh, so that's why, you know, we kind of started that. And then, you know, as a, a a sponsor side, that YouTube makes me different than a lot of other people. Right, it makes me more valuable. Um, right, and we knew we knew it was going to be tough to you know see any monetary value out of it. You know, for a while, um, but you know, sooner or later we would we would get there, and we're finally getting there now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been very expensive. You know, for for four years. Uh, spent a lot of money on that but you know hopefully it'll it'll one day you know turn into something that that's good and i, I wanted to you know show show people what it's like show people you know me and benton sharing waypoints you know after practice and going through everything telling them this is where that was and that was where that was or seeing yeah. uh, my, my graph when, after a bed fishing practice where I've got 720 bed fish marks, <laughs> you know, you know, stuff yeah. like that that you don't get to see. Yeah, I love it. I love that reality aspect of it. And, you know, you guys eating dinner and prep, prep and tackle. Like, I, I love that part of it. And I remember um, in the heyday for me in the heyday of bass fishing when ESPN owned this uh, Bassmaster. And uh, this is probably early mid 2000s i remember being approached by someone that wanted to do it and i straight up was like no <laughs> no because i was like i felt like it was going to be like a disruption in my routine and you know like i i felt like it was going to have a negative impact um or you know i'd be embarrassed or some you know has any of that ever happened do you guys ever feel like that like you know you're in the in the bathroom taking a dump reading the map and they're trying to video you any of that ever happened uh not not like that i mean you know sometimes <laughs> it has you know hint, hindered you a little bit um yeah you know whether it be uh you know waiting on your camera guy to you know go uh somewhere or yeah you know always having to you know whether you add a plus one or whatever or pick him up yeah. and take him to and from the airport stuff like that but it, it's never been like a, a a bad a bad you know deal like that yeah. i've always enjoyed it and um you know it's it's been fun uh and like i i always wanted to 
to see that stuff. I wanted to see like the the shitty hotels and rooms yeah. and stuff that yeah. know, we stay in. Uh, you know, we're we're trying to be so we've gotten a little bit uh, better now. But I mean, I we used to get these little cabins that had two beds. You know, like those little bitty. I mean like storage sheds from Lowe's that have two beds and a bathroom in it. And we'd sleep four of, you know, three of us in there and you could all hold hands, sing Kumbaya while somebody's going to the bathroom. Oh uh, yeah. Making, making sure your boat's charged out the window. Um, you know, it, I, I mean, stuff like that people don't get to see. I love it. I love, like I said, I love watching them. I love that aspect of it. And, and again, you know, we talked about it earlier with the pressure, but I think, for a lot of fans, they think it's NASCAR. They think we're flying to the location in a helicopter and, you know, and we're staying at luxurious, you know, and I love that it shows yeah. the reality of the sport, you know, just kind of like regular dudes for the most part, you know, I love that. Uh, oh, yeah. This one. Yeah. I, I want to change gears one last time. And this one, I want you to be critical of yourself. And, and so for me last year, I, I'll give you an example for me last year, you know, on a scale from letter grades, we're going to go old school letter grades and, and middle school and high school. We're going to go to a to F last year for me, I give myself an F minus. It wasn't even a straight F. It was an F minus, but we're, a, we're a little over halfway in a lot of people's mind. You're having a great season and you are, but give yourself a letter grade. Drew, rate yourself this season, A to F. Give yourself a rating. I uh, B minus. B minus. Yeah. Yeah. B minus. I uh, there was there were some things that have happened. Uh, uh, it's really uh, the the tournament here on Seminole. Uh, I I'd love to give anything to have that one back. Um, I made some really yeah. really really big mistakes, um, but. You know, like uh, Sabine, I'd like to have Sabine back. Um, uh, but you know, I can't complain, but it, I mean, yeah. I, you can't get an A unless you're in first. Right. So. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. A B minus is a good score. Hey, in, in, in school, if I had A's and B's, I was happy. If I got a C, I was kind of like, ah, it's all right. Uh, talk about Seminole, though, because I, I think, like, for me, I – relate 100 percent um i'll give you a quick example when the uh bassmaster came the upper chesapeake bay it's the tournament that aaron martin's won uh the first year they went to the upper chesapeake bay drew i besides the delaware river that's my that's my john you know what i mean that's my that's mm -hmm. my baby right and dude i zeroed the first day i i didn't weigh a bass the first day that's how bad it was so i very much understand that uh the home lake gifts and curses right at the same time talk talk about seminole because i think it's important for people people are watching listening and they're going to have the same thing they're going to have a tournament on their home pond talk about it a little bit this year what happened this year for for whatever reason uh i i did not want to bed fish um for that tournament i mm -hmm. uh i wanted to catch them off i thought that's how you know I was going to catch him to win on a lipless and a crankbait. And and really, up to the last day of practice, I thought I could. I thought, you know, I was going to catch 25 to 29 pounds, you know, fairly right. quick. 
uh, right. you know, the, the first day of the tournament. And, and I just kept forcing it and forcing it and forcing it and forcing it. And, um, like where, where the tournament was won, uh, I, I didn't know it was that good. I'd have never in my life said it was that good. I thought you'd have caught 16 pounds a day there easily. And if you caught them really good one day, you catch 19, not right. 26 pounds and stuff like that. Um, I just kept forcing that, that lipless bite and, and all that stuff. And every day at like 12 o'clock, I would go, oh, God, got to save some points. Run up to the bank, sight fish for two and a half hours, catch my fish and go, go in. So I did that for three days. Uh, after day one, I was like, I have to do that now because I have to find that school to win. All right. I should have just caught everything I could catch, you know, however, you know, bed fishing, up shallow, stuff like that, make yeah. the top 10 and, and then, and then do, do stupid stuff, you know, or try something, uh, you know, to, to really make up some ground. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, it just, it was one of those, I, I did fish for, I fished for two fish on bed, uh, during that tournament that were both over seven pounds that, um, I, I run out of time on one and uh caught the mail on the other one and it just you know it wasn't 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 happening and then like i for whatever reason i would see somebody go into a place and i would just automatically write it off i'm like oh they yeah. already found them yeah you know they they're, they caught the one that i was going in there to catch or whatever and, and i've never done that uh before and right. like a lot of of the fish that were on bed and some of those places where like if you didn't know that there might be a fish on bed right there you would most people would never look there like they would mm. be looking the other way um and that that really really hurt me and like not fishing yeah. like major community holes um right like where you caught them like where like i fished was, <laughs> you know, all, yeah, yeah. Was, no that, there's always a really good group of fish there um yeah and like I didn't know until after somebody showed me uh, a clip from live the first day, like a, two or three weeks ago, that there was a lot of people that caught him right there. You know, oh, a lot, like a lot. First thing, yeah. Welcher wrecked him, wrecked him there. Um, yeah, but you know, I I came in there, I spent ten minutes maybe, yep. fished down, kept on going, kept you going, know? yeah. And, yeah. and like after after your first spot, really, you're only fishing for a bite, you know, one fish every spot you go to. And yeah. I just never even gave it a chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then and then I, ne I never went back because like I'm not that guy that you know. And I, I saw you you there and somebody else there. Like I'm not that guy that's just gonna go there because I saw you catch him there. You know, I had yeah. to you know go do my other stuff. But yeah, that that was awesome. It's just, uh, I, I, <laughs> that was awesome the second morning so the first morning i was about 13 and i got there first and i just I literally power i told you the story i think in bag line but i power pulled down stayed there the whole first day never left you know second day i'm boat now i'm on the reverse right and i get there drew there are five boats on that little reed head point five boats i come off pad i start idling in four of the five had the courtesy to at least troll away but one of them just stayed back. <laughs> and I just, 
you know, I kind of got a different attitude. Like 20 years ago, I would have been very combative, but like, I think I'm just getting older and I'm getting tired. I think my testosterone is getting lower or whatever, but I just kind of was like, Hey, they biting and just power pull down next to him. You know, it's kind of like, whatever. But I, you know, it's great. Here, here's the thing. We all hate to fail. And I can hear it in your voice. You hate failure. I hate failure. But there are lessons. There are lessons in failure. We just lost you, but he's, he'll come right back here. Uh, hopefully. There are lessons in failure. And, um, you know, if, if, if you take what happened and learn from it, it's going to better you down the road, right? So uh, 100%. Dude, it's hard to stomach when it's happening, but, uh, but you know, we got you back. Uh, I, I was just saying, okay. I was just saying failure stinks, failure stinks, but I'm so glad like you're, you're able to be analytical about it after it happens. Right. And like, you know, the big lesson is don't be hard headed. Don't fish history. Don't, you know, don't make the fish do something. Fish the fish, right? I'm hearing all that loud and clear. And yeah. uh, it, it's hard to stomach when it's happening, but failure is good. Like making those mistakes in the long run is good, you know? For sure. Absolutely. For sure. And like, yeah. you know, we, we saw it with we saw it with Lee Livesey the first year we went to Fork, you know? And then – yeah. After that, every other time we go there, he wins. <laughs> you know, he, wins. Like he, he learned a lot from that first year. Yeah. Are you secretly hoping they come back to Seminole next year? Do you have like your fingers and toes crossed that Seminole's on the list? Say what now? Do you have your fingers and toes crossed that Seminole will be on the list for next year? Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, absolutely I, I would love to to do that again um uh, I'd, I'd like to have another shot and I, and honestly i mean i just want i just want us to keep coming back here for the community to see that you know what it does for for the community and what it does for the lake you know because there's nothing else around um you know that's that's our only uh driving force to bring people here is that lake and you know yeah. having us down there and showcasing it you know will help a lot and it's an yeah phenomenal fishery it really is and it is i mean it was really weird you know whenever we were there this past time uh, especially in practice but i mean it, it, i've seen some unreal things uh on, on like Seminole that if we if we would go back there we were bound to see them sooner or later i definitely think 100 pounds would easily be broken there um uh, i think you could see them catching them how you did in in 2003 or you know how joey caught them or or, or, you know, yeah. sight fishing, top water, you know, anything that, you know, around yeah. that time of year. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't know. You, since you caught those fish up there at Butler Creek, they hadn't been there since 2003. <laughs> I caught them all. I chased them out. I don't know what happened. I, I would love to go back to Seminole, um, not just because I won there, but I, I agree with you. I think it's a tremendous fishery. I would love them to go back. Um Here's the weird thing, though, Drew. I've had my fingers crossed for the Delaware River since 2014, and they haven't come back. So I don't know if it, this works or not. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I hope we do. I, I would. I'd like to see you know us go to Seminole and and you follow. Um, those are both really good lakes, and they both have a lot of history. Um, and and you know it'd be a great back to back. 
you know, they're an hour apart from each other. It would be, yeah. be really good. That would be, well, I hope, I hope we go back and, uh, Drew, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, dude. It's, it was awesome to finally have you on. And uh, we, we've got a couple more weeks of our break. We've got ICAST, and then it's on to the Northern Swing. Uh, I just lost Drew again. I don't know. Bad connection. Uh, thank you, Drew Benton, uh, for coming on. Um, really, really appreciate it. Uh, great to hear perspective from a young angler like that. Uh only five years into his career. Uh, Drew, I'm putting you back. I put you back through real quick. I keep losing you. It might be me, but dude, thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on the show. It's so great to have you on Ike Live finally. I appreciate it. I I appreciate you inviting me. Uh, I, I'll do it anytime. Uh, I, I love doing these things. Love love getting to know really everybody. Uh, you know, I mean, we We've talked a couple of times in the bag line, uh, but, uh, and I remember when you were talking about grading yourself earlier last year, I don't remember where we were, but you said, man, I'm just trying to stay out of somebody's way this year. It's and so true. I yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's them tough years are bad, hard to swallow, but, uh, you got to keep going. Drew, thank you for coming on. I'll probably see it. I cast, and then we'll see at the Northern swing. Uh, have a good time and your little off season. And real quick, just as a final note, what is your son's name? What is what? Your son. His name is Finn, correct? His name is uh, it's Finley uh, Cook, but we, we, we call him Finn, F-I-N. Your son has the coolest name in the world. I thought no one could top my son's name, which is Vegas, but your son's name is way better. It's way better. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I, uh, that is a good name too, though. I, I don't disagree. It's okay. Uh, it's not better. To, it's not but, better than Finn or Finley, but it's it's okay. Drew, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I'll see you down the road, and uh, and we'll see you up at the Northern Swing as well. Thank you, Ike. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. You got it. See you, Drew. All right, there you have it, everybody. Drew Cook. Yes. 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 Finally got Drew on the show. So awesome. Um, one of the young guys, man, and success early in his career. It's unbelievable. Uh, once again, we want to thank our sponsors, Mystery Tackle Box. Head on over to mysterytacklebox.com. Use the promo code IKELIVE. You're going to get 30% off your first Elite Box, 50% off your first Pro Box. It's like Christmas to your doorstep. You got to get it. I get it. You got to get it. Also, the Ike Foundation. Get kids fishing. Go over to ikefoundation.org. Uh, it's going to be great. You're going to learn a lot over there about how to help grow the sport. Thank you very much. And we'll see you on the next show. Bye. You know, right now where we're standing, we're in Camden, New Jersey. Yeah. Philadelphia is right there. This is the concrete jungle. And you know, a lot of those kids, as they grow up, they don't fish. It's interesting because they're surrounded by water. You know, the, the Delaware River, the Schuylkill, ponds, city park lakes. But they don't have the influence to, to, to cast, to fish, to have a rod and reel. And that really, that became our focus, you know, is to target kids in what we call non-traditional areas, 
yeah. you know, urban areas, city centers, where the population's high, and and let these kids have the experience. You know, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, some of the experiences we've had, whether it's Central Park in New York City, here in Camden, other parts of the country, even just casting. Yeah. It's unbelievable to see it, isn't it? Yes. It's unbelievable. Yes. And, and uh, you know, you see these kids have this experience they've never had, and they light up, you know? The big thing, I think, for the Ike Foundation is we're not we're not saying we want all these kids to become professional anglers. Yeah. It'd be great if some of them did, but we want them to have that fishing experience because it ties them to so, mu so many other positive things. The outdoors, nature, conservation, conservation. Uh, ecology, um, you know, all these amazing things in life that maybe they wouldn't have been exposed to any other way, we're trying to help with that. So it's, it's important, it's important for us. Yeah. We're proud of it. I subscribe to Bass UTV, and so should you. Great place to learn about anything you want to know about bass fishing. You get it at Bass U. We got the best of the best. I'm not just an instructor, I'm a subscriber. I'm John Cruz, and I am a subscriber. You can always learn, and um, watching Bass U is definitely helps with that. It's something that I like to do, and it's definitely something that you need to do. If I'm still learning, you should be too. Subscribe to Bass U, because you'll learn how to catch a lot more fish.